was studying this, it's so challenging that we need, I think, some time for the Lord to minister to us what this really means. Well, I need it anyway. When you study it, you realise, and this should be the case really, shouldn't it? When you read the Word, you realise what needs to change. So, um, but love is a... um, is a theme that's common, I think, to all of us. Um, this year, we celeb- this week, we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. Um, it's been... <laughs> Always remember that story uh, where um, an, an elderly couple at the end, she turned to her husband and said, you know, you never, you've never told me that you love me. And he said, well, I told you I loved you when we got married, and I haven't changed my mind since. <laughs> and, uh, but I, uh, I'm a bit of a romantic. I tell Jan I love her every day. Um, it's been 20 years of bliss for Jana, um, and, uh, and for, no, sorry, it was the other way around, sorry, the other way around, it's been bliss for me, and um, uh, a great joy for Jana. You, you're not saying amen, darling. You, but love, um, love is a, a powerful, active word, isn't it? Um, and when, in 1 John 4.19, it says this, we love him, that God, uh, because he first loved us. And we are to love God with our, our, all our being, our heart, which is our spirit, our soul, our will and our emotions, our strength, our body, our mind, our reason, our thinking. It doesn't leave anything out. That's why when we are in worship, sometimes people say, well, you know, we You've got to make it all about the spirit, and amen, it is we worship God in spirit and in truth, but we can worship God with our body, we worship God with our mind, and with our emotions. Every part of us, we worship God because we love God in all of those, in all of those ways. So, and, um, and when we think about that, we love him because he first loved us, shows that God is the instigator of love. There is no love in me naturally for God. He first loved me, put love in my heart, which enabled me to love him. He is the instigator. We are the responders. And, um, and we always got to remember that, that, you know, if everything we do, love has to be the motivation, isn't it? Um, whatever you do in your family or in your workplace, and, you know, there are many things in this world that we do out of duty. Maybe we do it out of fear. Maybe we do it for various other me- reasons. But when we do it out of love, it's completely different, isn't it? And with the Lord, everything must be done out of love. If it's, not, if it's done out of fear, then we're missing something. Something's not right. If it's done out of duty, something's not right. But when it's done out of love, that's what worship is. In Revelations um, chapter 2, verse 4, in the, in the letter to the Ephesian church, Jesus writes to them and says, Repent and do the works you did at first. And he says, because he says... Um, you have lost your first love. But in that passage, not going to go to it, but if you read it, you will find that he praises them for all of what they have been doing. But he says, but this I have against you, you've lost your first love. He says, and return to the works that you first did. And, and that's a, when we stop and think about that, when you think about love, and when we think about this this morning, we've got to be careful that we don't create some kind of abstract idea of this kind of airy-fairy love thing. Anyone who's married long enough realises that that doesn't necessarily happen every day. That you wake up with this airy-fairy kind of lovey kind of feeling 
Love is an action. You do things sometimes. Um, is it just us, maybe? Is it just me? Uh, but love, people say, you've got to work at these things. And sometimes you get those feelings of love. And sometimes you might find out with the Lord, you feel this sense of God's love and a love for God rises in you. But sometimes it's not there. But we love God nonetheless because there is an action to it. And so um, we can't do we, do, we do not do nothing because love is activity. And that's what worship is. It is the activity or the expression of love and devotion to God. And, but the passage I want us to look at is in Luke chapter 10. And uh, verse 25 to 37. Um, and this is the, the story many of us will know about of the Good Samaritan. And uh, if you're following that, I'll give you a second. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law and how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And he, this lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbour? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And this is interesting that in this question that Jesus gives this lawyer, how do you read the scripture? What is, you know, what's written in the law? And he answers correctly, he says, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, all your strength, and your neighbour as yourself. And he says, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. And then we enter into this uh, parable, and, and what's interesting about this is the question is, who is my neighbour? He's wanting to know, okay, well, the first question I've got is, he skips over the hard one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, all your strength, to the one which is, you would think, a bit easier. But that's the one he wants to justify himself on. How am I loving my neighbour? Who is my neighbour? Who is it that I've got to love? That's the question. And then Jesus answers it in a very different way as he usually does. He doesn't answer the question. And we'll see that in a minute. But let's just go through the parable Jerusalem was about so many thousands of feet above, um, I, I, I can't remember exactly, um, I've got it written down here, it's about 1,200 feet above sea level, Jericho was about um, 22 feet below sea level, so there was a, a road that went from Jerusalem to Jericho, down a hill, 
And it was known as the Bloody Pass because there were there robbers that would hide in the caves, they would come out, they'd rob people, and it was a very dangerous path. And, and you can go there in present day, you can drive down that road and you will see the winding nature of this road. And it, was, it goes from um, up in Jerusalem down to Jericho. And so we get this um, story that Jesus is using in this, in this place and um, we see this man is, is beaten up and robbed, he's left on the side and then a priest comes along and uh, the question is, well, why doesn't the priest stop? And then a Levite priest is... Uh, and uh, lots of people, you have to use our imagination, why did he stop? Some of the thoughts are, well, he was probably going to temple, so he had to remain pure if he touched blood, or, or, you know, or in fact, he was a Samaritan, if he touched him, he wouldn't be able to perform his duties. That's one way, but he was coming from Jerusalem, going home. Um, so maybe that was it. We don't know, we can come up. Why didn't the Levites stop? We could come up with other things. Why did they pass by on the other side? And we don't know why, um, essentially, but we can only guess and we can only assume. But, um, but it, in, in the end, this Samaritan, and for those who don't know, the Samaritans were people that the Jews would not associate with. They were people that were deemed to be half-breeds. They were people that had come and compromised the truth of God. They were people that had set up their own religion um, and calling it worshipping God. And I was thinking, what's a similar day um, scenario? Maybe it could be a, someone who was a Muslim, or maybe it was a Jehovah Witness, or a Christian scientist, or something like that, where we would say, you had the true scriptures, but you changed them. You know, you're different to us. We don't associate with you. It could be anyone like that. It could be, it doesn't have to be anyone religious. But in their case, this Samaritan was someone they wouldn't even share a cup with. And so this Samaritan comes... And he takes, he, he, he looks after him, puts him on his, on his camel, he takes out from the cash point two days' wages, so say a day's wages today is what, 150, 200 pounds, I don't know what the people earn these days, 400 pounds, max, he maxes his cash point um, takeout of his cash point thing, um, and he pays it, and he leaves him, he's probably got to go and finish his business, comes back, and then Jesus asks this very important question. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour. Now, the man is saying, who is my neighbour? Jesus says, no, wrong question. The question, actually, what you need to ask is, how do I be a neighbour? Right? Jesus doesn't answer his question because what we see later on is we, we need to assume that what Jesus is saying it is not the object of your love, which is the point, it is the activity of your love, which is the point. Why didn't the priest stop? And I, I read uh, Martin Luther King um, uh, wrote something about that, and I thought it was really interesting, because he's been down this road, and he was asking the same question, you know, well, why didn't the priest stop? And he came up with this, which I, I want to use his words, because it is possible that one of the ways in which people could get caught out on that road, you never know. If you stop long enough, will you get attacked? You see a man who's lying on the side of the road. What if they're merely faking it? And that actually it's a trap. And so the priest is coming and he's, and he's thinking, actually, um, what if I'm going to get hurt? Or what is this situation? What if, you know, what if I give them some money and they use it for the wrong thing? Or what if, what if, essentially, and, and this is what he says. He says, so the first question the priest asked, the first question the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the Good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. 
If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? We look at a situation and say, what, what will happen to me if I'm involved in that situation? Whereas a good Samaritan said, what will happen to him, to her, if I don't get involved in that situation? And I thought this was so incredible when you think about it. The reason that the priest and the Levite didn't stop was because of fear of losing something of themselves or of, of the, their, what they own, if it was their goods. Whereas the Samaritan gave, he risked his life. And, but going back to his question, and Jesus says, well, who, um, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour? And, and here's, I think, what gets to the issue for me. There are many reasons we don't act because essentially something in us rears its ugly head and says, but what if you lose something here, John? What if this means that they're going to suck so much out of your life that you're going to be tired and weary, John? What if you're going to have to give of your money, John? Or what if you're going to have to, and it's all about me? It's not about them at all. What if they're going to use the money in the wrong way? I don't want to waste my money. On, no, no, that's you, John. You know, when I look, when I think about the vision that we're considering in these days, um, I hope you understand that I don't look at that and think, oh, easy, I can't wait. I look at that and think, God, you've got to do something. You've got to do something in me. And something in me needs to change. And when I look at this passage and I think, am I being a neighbour? I'm incredibly challenged because it requires something of me and there's something in me that doesn't want to share myself in my nice little comfortable place. But when you look at this, see, he doesn't justify, this lawyer, he doesn't justify his love for God. Wouldn't you think that that would be where you go? But Lord, how do I love you? Or how do I know if I'm loving you in all these? He doesn't. He goes, who is my neighbour? Now, I don't know what's in his mind, but when I put myself into that situation, I think, you know, how, what is the link between loving God and loving your neighbour? Pop quiz. Paul says this, fill in the blank. The whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Isn't that interesting? The whole law summed up. You would have thought, in, in love, the Lord your God with all your heart. No, Paul says, no, the whole law is summed up in one, I don't know what the one word is, I guess the one phrase, you shall love, the Lord, uh, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. And this is why, and I looked into this and I listened to some sermons because I didn't want to read into this my own, you know, I didn't want to put a bias into it, which you can do. And I listened, and I and I was listening to stuff, and it just made it clear to me, and it was summarising this. This is that. This is why love for God is outworked in love for others. Amen. What it comes down to, because when you take out the others, when you take out the objects of love, where is love going? Is it in a song on a Sunday? Is it is it the fact that I spent half an hour reading some of the Bible? Lord, I loved you today by reading the Bible. Praise God that we read the Bible. I mean, <laughs> but when you look at this great commandment, it, it is in, inexplicably, is that a word? Linked 
And I want to prove that to you by showing some other scriptures. But maybe the first one is this. When we think about the activity of love, let's always remember, at the end of the day, we want to follow God's footsteps, want to follow Jesus' footsteps. So we start there. We say, well, how did Jesus love? When Jesus loved his God, when he loved his Father, what did he do? And the first thing he did was he was obedient. And when we know that wonderful John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever perish, or whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's activity of love was to give to others, us. So that was the first thing that I came to. But he always goes further and he says this, Matthew 5, 43 to 48. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. I think um, just earlier on in that passage, if I'm correct, if I remember it said... Yeah, it says in, in 43, um, put this in my notes, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And he goes on and he says, For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, you can follow the ways of the world or you can follow the ways of God. And the ways of the world is love those who love you. The way of God is love those who hate you. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen? So you see this pattern. In 1 John 3... 12 to 18, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now you might say, well, who are the brothers? In looking in 1 John, you could say, well, he's probably talking about the household of faith, as Paul talks about, he's talking about other Christians. But the principle and the attitude is the same. You can't sort of say, oh, John's only saying that for Christians. But Jesus was saying everything else for non-Christians and everyone. You can't do that. I don't think so. But this is what he says. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, so I'm saying that when it says about brother, brother of humanity, your brother and sister of humanity, that's what I think is the principle here. If anyone sees the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, if the love of God abides in us, the love of God will be revealed through us in very practical ways. And there are many scriptures that talk about the practical activity, but there's none, I think, that is so, um, has captivated me um, through Matthew 25. 31 to 46, and I put this song on the men's WhatsApp group. I don't know if anyone, if anyone remembers Keith Green? Anyone? You young people won't remember Keith Green, but he was, a, he was a, um, an amazing man of God. The Lord took him home very early on in his family, very early on, but he had a powerful ministry in the 70s, and uh, he was very hippie. He was a musician, singer, uh, preacher. And he, and he does a song on Matthew 25, 31, 46, which is the parable of the sheep and the goats. 
And I want to read his lyrics, which is pretty much exactly as it is in the Bible. You can follow it with me, but it just adds a little bit of colour. Yeah, yeah, gives a little bit extra uh, to help us to really captivate the, the, the way people think. And I, and, I, and I hope that I'd love, if, if, I, if I was able to do a Keith Brown on the piano, I would do it. But I thought, shall I play it? But it's like seven minutes long. And I thought, have we got time for that? Because a lot of it is just him playing his piano. But anyway, and this is how it goes. It says, when the Son of Man comes and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit on his glorious throne. And he will divide the nations before him as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he shall put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And he shall say to the sheep, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom of God I have prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was sick, and I was in prison, and you came to me. Thank you. Enter into your rest. And they shall answer him, yes, they shall answer him, and they'll say, Lord, when? When were you hungry, Lord, and we gave you something to eat? Lord, when were you thirsty? I can't, can't remember. And we gave you drink. And when were you naked, Lord, and we clothed you? And Lord, when were you a stranger and we invited you in? I mean, we invited lots of people in, Lord. I could never forget that face. And Lord, when were you sick and we visited you? Or in prison and we came to you? Lord, tell us. Inasmuch as you did it for the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. Oh yes, as much as you've done it to the very least of my brethren, you've done it. You've done it unto me. Enter your rest. Then he shall turn to those on his left, the goats. Depart from me, you cursed ones, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was naked out in the cold in exposure and you sent me away. I was a stranger and I knocked at your door, but you didn't open. You told me to go away. I was sick, racked in pain upon my bed, and I begged and prayed and pleaded that you'd come, but you didn't. I was in prison and I rotted there. I prayed that you'd come. I heard your programs on the radio. I read your magazines, but you never came. Depart from me. Lord, there must be some mistake. When? Lord, I mean, when were you hungry, Lord, and we didn't give you something to eat? And Lord, when were you thirsty and we didn't give you drink? I mean, that's not fair. Well, would you like something now? Uh, would you, one of the angels like to go out and get a, the Lord a hamburger and a Coke? Oh, you're not hungry. Yeah, I lost my appetite too. Uh, Lord, Lord, when were you naked? I mean, Lord, that's not fair either, Lord. We didn't know your size you wear. Oh, Lord, when were you a stranger, Lord? You weren't one of those creepy people who used to come to the door, were you? Uh, oh, Lord, that wasn't our ministry, Lord. We just didn't feel led, you know. Lord, when were you sick? What did you have anyway? Well, at least it wasn't fatal. Oh, it, oh, it was. I'm sorry, Lord. I would have sent you a card. Lord, just one last thing we want to know. What were you in prison, Lord? What were you in for anyway? I had a friend in Belmarsh. Enough! Inasmuch as you've not done it to the least of my brethren, you've not done it unto me. Inasmuch as you've not done it to the least of my brethren, 
you've not done it unto me. Depart from me. And these shall go away into everlasting fire, but the righteous into everlasting life. And my friends, this is um, now Keith Green speaking, obviously. And my friends, the only difference between the sheep and the goats, according to this scripture, is what they did and didn't do. You can read that for yourself in Matthew 25. See, if we want to know how we can really love God, love our neighbour. See, when we love our neighbour, we love them as though they are Christ himself. Because we do not know who's a child of God. We don't know what stage people are at. Jesus knows before the foundation of the world those who are his. See, if we put it into the bracket of everyone at church is my brother, then we miss the understanding of salvation from God's perspective. And to love one another and to love the world as though everyone is, is, a, is Christ in that sense. I'm not saying that Christ is in everyone, but as though they are Christ is what Matthew 25 is all about. And when you bring that into 1 John, which I think I might have, or uh, was it 1 John? When you look upon your brother and you do not give need. I think it says in 1 John, I'm just going off my notes now. It says where it talks about when we say, be blessed, go on your journey, you know, I'll pray for you, and yet you give them nothing for their journey. Then what is love? See, Paul says in Corinthians, the love of God controls us, compels us. I've always been fascinated with that verse, that the love of God is not something so airy fairy. It's something that's so controlling of us. It causes us to love people, to do something about it, doesn't it? And how, how much more we need love. Here's another verse again. And it uses the word religion in the true sense of the word. Um, in, the, in the sense, if you like, godly living. It says, James 1.27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. Love in action. Pure and undefined religion. Visit people. The message says this, the same verse. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. Now, I want to be clear on one thing. We can do none of this but by the impartation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? So that's why we have to open up our hearts to the Lord and say, Lord... I'm not loving my neighbour. Maybe this is your response. This is mine. I'm not loving my neighbour as I believe your scripture tells me to. I need to open up my heart to you and ask for a radical change of heart. Because I want to love you with all my heart and all my strength and all my soul and all my mind. See, the Bible says this as well, and this is the hope that we have the um, Bible tells me that the same power, this is Ephesians, isn't it, that raised Jesus from the dead is in me and is in you, if you believe in the Lord. The same power. 
And it also says, again, if someone can shout out the verse, about the love of God has been shed abroad into our hearts. It says that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been poured in our hearts. There's a lot being poured in our hearts. And Philippians says, for it is God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. He says, therefore, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. I've got that backwards, but work it out. So I know that in me is all that I need to live out a love for God. So I'm, I'm sitting and I'm waiting, I'm being, I'm trusting, I'm resting. I want to write a book. Just going to go a little on the tangent here. I want to write a book called Rest Driven Christianity. And it's going to be rest driven worship, rest driven mission, all this kind of rest driven, then add you a bit on the end. Because rest is when you say, Lord, I'm going to first believe that you're going to put everything that I need in me first. And I'm going to step out in that. I'm not going to get intense about it. I'm not going to get worried about it. I'm not going to get fearful about it. I'm not going to get into duty and and all this kind of thing, religious about it. I'm just going to believe that you've given me what I need. And I'm at peace with that, knowing that you are for me and working in me. That's my hope. And so when I think about this, that that love that God has, has, has been deposited in my heart and in your heart. So don't go praying, asking God for what he's already deposited in you. He's done it. We've got to believe he's done it. And the question is, what are we, how are we outworking it? And this is a great challenge. It is about being at rest, knowing, Lord, I can do nothing except by your power in me. And I know it's often that, um, wrongly qu- or, or misquoted. I, in, it's in the context I, where Paul says, I've learned to live in poverty and I've learned to live in affluence. And he says, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context. But the fact that he says, I can do all things, that's, that's a principle. Through Christ who strengthens me. And so I'm not going to sit asking God to do something that he's already done. I'm going to ask God to give me the boldness to step out and do it. To, I'm going to ask God to deal with the selfishness of my own heart. I'm going to ask God to deal with the worldliness of my own mindset, where I want all these nice things and I don't want anyone to ruin them by me loving my neighbour. That's what I'm going to ask God to do. And I know I'm going to be intentional about it. I'm going to love the Lord your God with all my heart, all my soul, my strength. Imagine if we were to say, how would we love our neighbour if we, if we were willing to allow love to come from our body, physical time, energy, our mind giving time for people to talk, to listen, our heart of prayer and devotion in, in seeking to encourage and to share with them or um, our emotions when they drain us. Because that would happen, wouldn't it? I was, I think it was Sue Latham, who spoke at the latest thing last night, I was, I was saying this to someone in the week. He will say of Sue, or Dave Latham will say of Sue, she has a gift to listen to people until they die. In other words, she just has that ability. I do not have that ability. After a while, I'm, I click into solution mode. And I've learned in the last 20 years of marriage that, that, that sometimes the wife doesn't need a solution, just needs to be listening to her. And I've learned that. And I've been given grace for that. <laughs> Even if I do know what the solution is. <laughs> but 
Just going back to the beginning, just to close, this is, this is the question. There is no great commission without the great commandment. In fact, I see in the great commandment the great commission. See, to go and make disciples starts with go and love your neighbour. And this is, and I was chatting to Athi, some of us will know Athi, about rest-driven mission. <laughs> when we're just primed and open and available to God, God will bring people into our lives that he wants us to love. And are we ready, are we ready, are we willing to love them? Are we ready and willing to invite them in? And here's the, here's the things we can pray. Lord, help me love my Muslim neighbour. Lord, help me love my gender-fluid neighbour. Lord, help me love my neighbour who plays music till four o'clock in the morning really loud. Lord, help me love my neighbour whose dogs are barking me mad. Uh, Lord, help, my, help, help me love my neighbour who is just trying to undermine me at work every day. Help, my, help me love my neighbour who all they do is put me down. They're the kind of prayers, Lord, will you help me love my neighbour? And it puts these things into, into certain perspective, doesn't it? Because when I love that person who is such a pain, it's me loving God. And that love, in the midst of that situation, is so much more powerful than saying, me saying to my wife, I love you every day, because that's easy. Amen? So are we willing to love our neighbour? I would like us to respond to this because um, I have a sneaky suspicion that there is no one here who has perfected the ability of loving our neighbour. Um, so I want to encourage you to open up your heart to the Lord and I'm believing that the Lord wants to minister that into our hearts, to speak to us. It may come with a challenge, it may come with an encouragement, but nevertheless, we, we need to be willing, I think, in these days that the Lord maybe needs to break our heart for certain people. And maybe there's a particular ministry or a particular mission that the Lord's given you for a certain people group or a certain people in a situation that has certain needs. I don't know. But maybe the Lord will just provoke your, our hearts on that. But let's, if the worship team want to come, if, let's just bow our heads and as we, as we sing, we just, we've got a bit more time where we can just allow God to speak and to work. And, but I, I, I want to encourage you just to say some obvious things. Be... Be honest with yourself. And, um, and we're at rest in the Lord's presence in our honesty, aren't we? Because the Lord loves us. So let's pray. Father, do you want to stand? Should we stand together? Lord, we, we want to be a, a people that, that love you with all our heart, all our strength, all our soul, all our mind, all our body, everything about us, Lord, and to love you by loving our neighbour because we want to be as you ask us to be. And we don't want to do it, Lord, the way the world does it. We want to do it the way you do it. And so, Father, we just want to invite you to come and have your way in our hearts, realising, Lord, it's only by the inward working of your Holy Spirit to change us, to make us more like you, Lord, that will only really reap the results we're looking for, Lord, that will only reap the change, will only bring the power, Lord. So we're aware of our need right now, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that, Father, at that place of just being, at rest in you, Lord, rather than feeling guilty, rather than feeling 
overawed by the, the need around us, but Lord, to come to you and say, Lord, I want to be available to love my neighbour today and through that love you. So come, Lord, and minister to us by your Holy Spirit, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.